0: Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, internets? This is Chico Leo flying high above the Brooklyn night, and it is a beautiful night. And I am here in the escape pod with another Fan
1: Bros Special Delivery. And I am joined, as always, by... The Illa YC, aka King Controversy. What's going on, Chico? What's up, King Controversy? I like that. I like that.
0: Uh, Do you live on Skull Island and and have, uh, you know,
1: sacrifices made to you? Uh, That's my vacation home. Uh, We only do sacrifices every other Tuesday.
0: All right, I like that. All right,
1: well, that's good to know. All
0: right, well, we got a uh, a medium-sized big night tonight on Special Delivery. We had the final episode of the long-awaited and I would say overly trashed second season of True Detective this evening. Uh, the episode was Omega Station. And now that we've seen the whole tour de force and all the pieces have been put together.
1: What do you think about season two of uh True Detective Illa? It got better. It got better after what, the fourth episode with the big gun battle. Uh right. so I think the second half of the season was definitely much better and much stronger and more cohesive than the first. I mean because, you know, I found myself rooting for the main characters. I wanted to I wanted Frank Simeon to win. I wanted Ray Valcoro to win. You know, I didn't really give a shit about Bezaridis one way or the other. And Woodrow was kind of roughly sketched as a character to begin with. But, um, you know, I I began to like at least if not care about him, I had a vested interest in seeing how the story ended. Uh, So I wanted, you know, decent things to happen, particularly Frank. You know, his quirkiness just finally won me over. Uh, And Vince Vaughn's like weird portrayal of this gangster won me over. And that was kind of the strength and the weakness of this episode. Um, But, you know, give me your thoughts. So
0: I, I, like you, I I actually it really picked up for me with that, the end of that fourth episode that had this really awesome gun battle. And then the fifth episode took a big nosedive for me. And then the last three definitely kind of brought me back. Now, again, if this had been a show that wasn't an eight episode miniseries that I knew had, you know, an end that was coming, I probably would have given up after the second or third or, you know, episodes. Um, But I stuck with it. I also intentionally, I'm not comparing it to the first one. And I thought they did a good job of, uh, you know, these were all very doomed characters from the beginning, which is something that you see traditionally in in a lot of noir type stuff. And I thought they were doing, um, you know, this weird California noir thing. That, again, while nowhere near as compelling as the first season, was compelling in its own right. I think the actors acquitted themselves well. I think that it was a little dull. It was a little slow. It was a little tedious. I didn't mind that as much. But I think there's a lot of people out there who did mind that. And I can't really fault them for that. Yeah. Um, But I I did think the actors walked away probably for the most part with their, you know, they didn't lose anything by associating themselves with this. I thought Colin Farrell did, you know, you know, a a good job as a world weary cop. I I think that Vince Vaughn had the most difficult um, task and perhaps at times wasn't totally up to delivering some of the really crazy speeches but in general, I thought he did a really dope job. Um, I actually think Rachel McAdams did a really good job, who I normally associate as being like a girlfriend or wife, or you know, she. I I thought she she did a a, a really good job playing a, a tough cop. Um, I was a little disappointed. I'm someone who watched Friday Night Lights. I've always been rooting for uh, Taylor Kitsch. He had that one terrible year after Friday Night Lights where he was in, like, four movies that all bombed. You know, John Carter, Battleship. Um, there was another one. And then he was, like, a supporting role and all of them bombed. But I, I've always kind of liked him and, and wished well for him. But I think yeah, I agree with you completely. His role was sort of the least sketched of of the four main characters. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And um, I think, you know, this was a a missed opportunity for him, both, you know, with his performance, but more with the writing. So, yeah, I I would say that more than not, I enjoyed it. I can't really imagine going back to this while I always imagine that I will go back to the first season of True Detective.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, with this, it's just... The last four episodes, again, I thought were really tight. I think that overall, like, I didn't, I don't mind slow-paced stories. You know what I mean? Because The Wire, which is like the greatest show ever, the greatest TV, is a really well-placed, slow, methodical novel. It's just that every chapter was very interesting, and I think that with this uh, season of True Detective, every chapter wasn't interesting, and that that was the issue. You know, and the thing with Vince Vaughn is that his acting job—it wasn't that his his acting was terrible. It's just that. I had to really adjust to him in this role because you're so used to seeing him as Vince Vaughn. You know, if it was another face doing the exact same thing, I probably wouldn't have, have been. Um, it w- probably wouldn't have been as such a long adjustment period for me. You know, but um, because the you associate, you know, a, after over time you associate certain actors with certain types of roles.
0: Absolutely, and I I agree that that's been a problem for Vince Vaughn. There was a period between Swingers and when he started doing the comedies, like between Swingers and, say, um, Wedding Crashers, he did a bunch of quirky movies. One of them, he was a serial killer. One of them, he was a a dude who had to go back to Thailand to try and save his friend who had a death penalty for being caught with too much marijuana. That dude was played by Joaquin Phoenix. Like, he was in these movies that were, like, the kind of mid-sized movies that they used to make more of. And he played much more interesting characters, but he quickly got into. I mean, I don't begrudge him. You know, he was getting whatever ten million dollars to do Starsky and Hutch and all those other stupid movies. But he did waste his thirties doing that essentially. And I do think he he took this with the intention of trying to come back and doing more character stuff. And I do think he's a really interesting character actor.
1: Anyway, onto the actual story itself. Um, I thought it was. This kind of ended, I was kind of disappointed with the very end of it, you know, because it went the way that I kind of expected it to go. And that was disappointing. You know, it would have been more interesting to me. If, like, I figured Ray was going to die or something was going to, you know, happen to him. Um, and I figured something would happen to Frank, which is what happened. Spoiler alert. After the fact, um, Frank and Ray buy it, you know, in in pretty uh I guess, you know, unique ways. I mean, Frank's death Frank in particular at least
0: gets to get his revenge. The uh Frank's death know, was coro goes so... down and, you know, he's he's a villain. They say they put they pin all the murders on him. You know, they they put Woodrow's murder on him and the cops who co- who survive who covered it up managed to move up. The dead mayor's son becomes the new mayor.
1: Um, I mean, so but at that's least
0: Frank gets to to have his moment, but that's you know, he gets to get his that's, revenge. That's she,
1: typical. I mean, that's the thing. Right. Like, I'm a big fan of hardcore detective novels and and noir, you know, I mean, like the old school Raymond Chandler, and sure, those types sure, of yeah. mysteries and thrillers are really in my wheelhouse. So, Ray's story was easily predictable, you know, the alcoholic right. with a bad, you know, situation with his kid. So, you know, it's going to end on a down note you know and I, and it and, and and it couldn't you know the whole thing with him and Bezzariti
0: is like you knew they couldn't end up happily ever
1: after I mean the moment which the sh- yeah the moment I saw that recorder break I was like oh I know how this is going to go and right. then it started becoming, it became paint by numbers. You know, once it, you know, you saw um, as it played out, I'm like, he's going to make the wrong decision at, at the, you know, he's going to, it's going to be some decision, which was go to see his kid or not. He's going to make the wrong decision. And then he's going to be stuck in a situation he can't get out of. And then, you know, he contacted Bezari. So it just went for me, paint by numbers as his story kind of played itself out. And then he kind of goes out in a blaze of glory. I thought Frank's story was more interesting in that it was resolving in a a neater way because it left it open. It was, you know, it, it's like that ambiguous bit. You know how in, um, when Taylor Kish was running in the last episode or was the last episode. Yeah. He's running down the hallway and the door can open up and you get that moment of, is something going to happen or is it not? You know, right before he gets shot. You mean exactly. And yeah, with Frank, it's like, I'm sitting there constantly thinking, okay, is something going to happen? Is something going to happen? Is something going to happen? And to me, that's a more interesting place to be, you know, because in the last episode, when he went through and destroyed the clubs, I'm like, is he going to get caught by the Russians? Is something going to happen to him? And it makes it more interesting to me. And um, I'm more edgy to your seat and more thrilling. And that was kind of playing out here. And then it's like, fuck yeah, he got away with it. You know, he killed all the Russians. His plan worked. I mean, like he and Ray went and they mopped those fools up, you know, and that shit was dope. It was really efficient. I, really, I was like, that's how it should be. It shouldn't be a hectic gun battle. They went in there, mopped them boys, and they were about to get away with it. And then to me, it just seemed like kind of, if not forced, but unnecessary that all of a sudden the Latino gang that he had dealings with from like fucking four episodes ago, four or five episodes ago, just pops up randomly and kidnaps him.
0: And then because they now own the club and he had set fire to the club. So they felt like he had taken, you know, they had muscled in on his club, and they didn't. They maybe they didn't know about the Russian or whatever. But when he blew up the club, well, they knew he, about the
1: Russian, but like nobody knew he had set fire to the club, Right. except for the well, the no, Russians. The, Russian the Russians suspected that as much, but yeah. he didn't know it, you know. So it's like, how would the Latin guy, how would the, the gang have known? You know what I mean? I could have said like that was the Russians who did that. You know, they didn't whatever, whatever. Like, it just seemed, I mean, just having the whole bit play out, period, just seemed stupid to me. You know what I mean? Right. He just drove off and been with this girl. And that's really the part that disappointed me the most about the episode and really kind of brought it down to me is how Frank's story ended. You know, because right. I was so uninterested in his story at first, and then I became completely and totally invested. And then to kind of see it play out the way it did, like, it got, it got my interest. And then I was like, eh, you know, it just seemed like an unnecessary way to end his story. And it just seemed kind of tacked on in a way. I mean, he kind of played out in a cool fashion in terms of him walking in the desert, seeing ghosts from the past. And then the little sixth ending as he dies and, you know, looks back at his dead body, his spirit does. But it's just that I really was upset about it simply because of Jordan. She's the most down gangster mall, like, you know, of recent time. I mean, she had this dude's back. And she loved Frank. And I I love the bit at the beginning where they had the exchange. And she sees through his bullshit. You know, she's like. Right. He's trying. He tries to give her money and tells her to run. And then tries to, you know, break up with her. And she sees right through it. It's a dope scene. I agree. I mean, typical shit that men do when, you know, if you're a bad guy. If you're a guy who really cares about a woman and you're trying to push her away. Like, that was the best version of that that I've ever seen on screen. And she just straight saw through his bullshit. And it was like, I'm not having it. I'm not with it, you know, and I love that about Like She's been really shown to be really loyal, really caring. I've enjoyed the development of their relationship throughout this whole season. You know, that's been like the shining moment to me of True Detective. And I think had it ended in a way where they were able to kind of, if not live happily ever after, but connect and kind of do their thing. I think that would have been something you could have looked back and really taken away as a jewel from this show, because that would have been really totally unexpected. Like, him dying, I expected that to happen. Him getting away and getting with his girl, especially after they built such a strong relationship for him, was, you know, that would have been the unexpected thing. That would have been a big twist to me, in my opinion. But the stuff that kind of ended up happening, I was kind of like, eh. Like, so it was a good episode up until like the last 10, 15 minutes right. to
0: me. Well, even even less. Pro- well, so what, what Ill is referring to as far as the ending is... After Frank dies in the desert alone and after Valcoro dies, Ray Velcoro dies and, and is, has a lot of murders pinned on him that he didn't do, um, we cut to Jordan and Bezerides and one of Frank's loyal men in Venezuela and they have the money and Jordan now has a baby. It's not clear if she bought the baby in Venezuela or whatever. But, um, you know, they're on the run, but they have money and they're safe, but they have to keep moving. I, I, I actually kind of like that ending. Um, but one of the things that, that you mentioned, uh, this always reminded me of a James Elroy book because you were calling out like um, sort of classic noir stuff. And one of his books, L.A. Confidential, got made into a movie, although I thought the book was way better because they had to cut out so much for the movie. And he has another really dope book called American Tabloid, and I highly recommend both those books. But they both have three main characters, and the chapters alternate between the three characters. And it would sort of be almost as if, you know, Frank... Bezzarides and Velcoro all had the each had their own sort of chapter. Like it reminded me of that and not to, you know, spoiler alert, uh, you know, one of the three characters definitely dies in, e- in each of those books. Um, but it, it, this whole format and the, and uh, LA confidential takes place in California. This takes place in California. Although again, that whole central Valley that you don't see as much in California that, again, I was reminded of Grand Theft Auto Five. You know, who is it? The uh, the crazy guy who lives out there? The bald dude who's a psycho? Yeah, Trevor. What was his name? Yeah, Trevor. Or there was just, like, the quirky characters that, that that were here. I mean, you would see those, I guess, in L.A., but there's a different vibe in, like, the middle desert area of California that you don't have as much you know, on the coast with, you know, the industry and movie industry and everything like that. So, you know, I mean, they had all those overhead helicopter shots of the of the highways and it just looked really sort of sinister and not like a place you'd want to live. Um, you know, there was something very sinister about the Louisiana landscape intruded in the first season, but it wasn't as as... It was primeval, but this was like like Mars, you know the 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 way they would show the landscape here. Like, there was no point while watching True Detective season two that I was like, "Yo, I want to move to California." So uh, it's interesting that you say that uh, True Detective played out a lot like you expected, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, the most recent episode of Power also played. Uh, very is it called Times Up? and uh yep, time's I up. think it played out the way you predicted last week if I'm not mistaken um at least as far as some of the stuff that went down with, with Sean and Kanan but um yeah I mean uh, before we uh before we mention any deaths we'll, uh, we'll we'll give you a spoiler alert but uh this was a big episode of uh, of power in a lot of ways the title times up I think refers to the uh somewhat, you know, ridiculous, immature relationship that um, Ghost and Angie have been carrying on, in that it obviously couldn't last one way or the other. I give Ghost props for trying, you know, to basically, he on paper put all the pieces together in a dope way that everything should work out on paper. In terms of he got Tommy off, he got Angela Lobos, he, you know, like, he managed to, like, and it looked like he was going to get out, and all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, on paper is not, you know, people's hearts and egos are not on paper, and Angela figuring out that he was ghost. Um, you know, in the episode, both Angela and, um, Natori Naughton, what, what, what's her character's name? Tasha. Yeah. And Tasha both were like, you're not the same man, you know? Um, and they were coming at him from different sides, but there's definitely, you know, what Ghost wants, Jamie's not going to get. And what Jamie wants, Ghost is not going to get, um, so that that was a major thing. Tom, Tom, Ghost was able to get Tommy off, um, and Angela figured out that he was Ghost, and she's gonna face some professional
1: repercussions. And I think she wants her pound of flesh. Um, I mean, this episode was entertaining. You know, I think it was. It was, I enjoyed it a lot actually. You know, it was you know another entertaining episode of Power, but I think that it was it it managed to do. The the issue, the big thing that I struggle with the most with this show is that it showed how smart and how fucking dumb Ghost is at the same time. Right. I mean, it still didn't effectively kind of detail how he knew about the cell phone and how she had cloned it, etc. I mean, that's like a big leap in fucking logic. But, you know, people are going to talk about the siren or whatever. You heard that. But it was still not really. You know, that's a very thin connection to make. But, you know, there you have it. Um I mean his plan like to see set Tommy in motion. I like how that played out. And that's what I was talking about. To me that's depth writing. When they show him go to the lawyer and you know get the deal like you don't know why he's going to see the lawyer. So we're just getting right. pieces of a puzzle.
0: Well, although you predicted that. I I last week I was like why did he go to the lawyer and you were like oh so he could represent Tommy.
1: Oh yeah. I mean you you see it but it's just the fact that you see the moves kind of being made. You know, you don't know why right. he's meeting with this dude. You don't know why he's meeting with that it's akin to True Detective, you know, Vince Vaughn. We don't know exactly what his end game is, but we see Vince go meet with these people. He's exchanging money. He's trying to get these diamonds. He's trying to get, you know, which is an untraceable currency. He sets up the house. So we see him making all of these moves. And then in the final episode, it plays out okay, we're trying to escape to this, you know, Venezuela. We're going to have a house, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the kind of thing that makes the writing sharper versus kind of a dull edge. And that's the thing that power. It, power has good ideas, but the execution is a thing that always kind of irks the shit on me. Um, but in this, we see Ghost, you know, his moves, his power moves get Tommy off, they play out. We see him play Angela, you know, and their scene started off kind of cool. Their big moment, you know, where he basically, for whatever dumb fucking reason, essentially reveals without I flat out saying that he's Ghost to her, and um, which I thought was just kind of like kind of hackney you know in a way but right the
0: way he said it, he was like if i really was ghost would i say yes or no to that i mean it, it's know? so heavy-handed yeah.
1: and it's just like he didn't have to do that you know what i mean she right. doesn't she suspects and she suspects and she suspects but she wants to hear him say no i'm not
0: ghost it, like he could have said that and then you know we wouldn't have a season three of
1: uh power he could have not said shit and just kept right. him, like what the fuck are you talking about you know what i'm saying like that, that would be the smart move. Just say no. But because that's the thing, Chico, is like they're so clear, like they're so clearly trying to plant plot, plant seeds for that third season or right. um, in the last episode and episode before. They've done stuff that makes Ghost seem so dumb and it, it comes across as them kind of like dragging and padding things out, you know and not chess moves. And that's what they should be having ghosts do. Like, ghosts should be making chess moves, you know?
0: Well, they they set up that he, you know, knew Angela had cloned his phone and was doing all kinds, you know. Like, they set up that a lot of the stuff from the last few episodes had been chess moves. I actually thought it was too on the nose when Sean shows up to talk to Kanan that Kanan is sitting there playing a game of chess by himself. I thought that was too on the nose, man. Like just, you know, exactly.
1: I mean, it's just it does stuff like that, and you know, for everybody else, uh, I guess. Spoiler alert: Like Sean gets capped by Kanan. Um right? But it's 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 so dumb. Like, why would you go back and confront him? You know what I mean? Like, right. you failed. You know, your dad's a fucking crazy, psychopathic monster. And you failed him earlier. You didn't kill a dude. And Notori Naughton is waiting for you. I'm like, go get the girl and bounce, and right. just be out and right. never see this dude again. Because you, Sean, of all people, should know. I have no idea what this crazy motherfucker could do. So right. why would you go do that? No, I'm gonna go by. Go in the middle of the night. You know, for for no apparent reason, just to go mock my dad. Let me go mock my psycho dad. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna. That's that, that, that's the smart move. All right, Sean. Well. The other
0: thing is, you know, uh, Ghost, although Ghost, you know, does talk himself out of getting shot by Sean and does convince Sean not to do it. Although I don't know how much of it is him convincing him and how much is Sean just doesn't have it in him. I thought also it was a little hackneyed and uh, something like out of the strain when... You know, he's about to shoot Ghost and all of a sudden a cop, you know, knocks on the window and is like, yo, there's a busted water main. You got to go the other way. You know, that was a little, that's a deus ex machina, you know, where all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, a random event happens that saves the character as opposed to the character, you know, saving himself so I thought that was a little awkward. Although then they saved it for later when Sean comes to uh, assassinate Ghost in the uh, in in the keg room of truth, and um, you know Ghost basically talks him out of it. I mean, um, I knew
1: they were gonna have their moment alone where they had the one on one confrontation. I mean, it played out a little better than I anticipated. I, you know, of course Sean talks too much, and they show he's not really a killer, but it. You know, it was kind of, eh, it was weak, but it was you know it was better than I expected because you knew it was going to come, you know. But, and I, I figured you know Sean was going to buy it because they just had to had the gratuitous murders as who's going to kill him, you know. Either Ghost is going to catch him and turn and pop this fool, or his father is going to kill him for failing him. So, right, you know. Yeah, there there was
0: not much, uh you know. His, his he you know his story was essentially <laughs> written. And, you know, the key thing at the end is Tommy and Ghost getting into the car together and being all buddy-buddy, and it's not clear. Both of them have every reason to resent the other one. Even though Tommy, even though Ghost got Tommy out, I still think Tommy's got to be suspicious of Ghost vis-a-vis Angela. And Ghost has still got to be upset about the fact that Tommy essentially won't let him leave the life. All Ghost wants at this point is to leave the life... And become, like, the nightclub king. You know, that that you know he doesn't want to be a dope slinger
1: anymore. But, you know, those would be actually interesting themes if the show actually delved into them. You know, that Ghost is maybe feeling some resentment toward Tommy. And Tommy is really feeling some resentment. If they hadn't built those themes up. Because while Tommy's been shown to always kind of be hostile, in a sense, toward Angela, once he finds out she's a fed, you know. But then he all of a sudden wanted to, like, kill her. He was like... Okay, you know we know Tommy's off the off the hook, but it's like damn, you know Jamie likes her. Like you wouldn't go to him with that and be like, "Yo, like we really need to do something about this chick in a way that you know whatever." Or the situation with Holly is just kind of left dangling. I mean, so it's right. so many different things that the show just, you know, it, it touches on and kind of brushes away um, for the narrative that they're trying to propel. So, so yeah, Ghost, uh,
0: you know, has higher aspirations than people like Tommy and Kanan. Ghost uh, wants to drink martinis, hang out with beautiful women in exotic locations. He essentially wants to be James Bond while, you know, uh, Tommy and Kanan just want to be, you know, Avon Barksdale. And that that's the difference between them. I mean, it's also the difference between Avon Barksdale and Stringer Bell. Ghost is like Stringer Bell. He can see, you know, beyond... Um, you know, the high rises and Avon and Kanan and Tommy, you know, they they're they're street dudes with no vision essentially. So, you know, in that sense, I feel like that's been going on since
1: the beginning of the season. I mean the thing with with Stringer and Avon, and out that's a, a a decent parallel, but it's like in the wire you really see and it's drawn out and it's shown in a way. You start seeing that, you know, we know Stringer loves Avon, but you start seeing him feel that resentment toward Avon and how Avon wants to do business and wants to be on this gangster street shit. And then you also see, you know, Avon, I mean, he doesn't resent his f- actions till after the fact, but it's there. And I think that, you know, I don't know how they're going to go. I mean, because because power is such a flash and bang show. And I, I really love Kanan. So I hope they don't kill 50 Cent's character, but they find some some other creative way of keeping him around. And I think they will. I think he'll survive the finale. Yeah, I, I see the show
0: ending with some kind of like good the bad and the ugly standoff between Kane and Tommy and Ghost with like Angela running up, you know. No, 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 no,
1: not no. Even. no I'm I think kidding. it's gonna end up with um Angela's basically trying to season three is gonna be Angela trying to go after Ghost. Right. Now but now that's she de- knows without yeah. a shadow of a doubt that he's James St. Patrick. And I think it's going to be about them trying to outmaneuver themselves. I mean, and what I alluded to earlier was the fact that, okay, the smart was Ghost getting Tommy out of jail. The dumb was him still wanting to be in a relationship with Angela. Like, now we see that he wasn't playing her all along. You know, other times in the past when he... I thought he was just giving her lip service. Like, oh, I want to be with you. Oh, I want to stay with you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's like, Tasha's holding me here. I got to, you know, be responsible to my kids. But, like, now he really this fool really does want to be with her and she's done with him i mean when she calls him ghost instead of jamie she's done with him like i see you for who you are you aren't the dude i thought you were you're full of shit and you're done and now she's full legal mode you know and now she wants this guy and she you know she's hurt you know so you got an angry hurt woman who's pissed And, you know, now she's really, you know, over the last four or five episodes, we've seen her go through the motions as she's got more and more in tune with the idea that Jamie could be Ghost and really start playing him. But now she's going to be full on that, you know, and when they're laying with each other, it's going to be issues of, you know, how can I manipulate this dude to get what I want? And I think for him, he's going to, you know, probably in season three, they're going to have him go through the motions of really accepting Angela likes him. And then kind of having to accept the fact that she's out to get him. Right. You know, but um, with the finale, I mean, I think that the things with Lobos and Kanan's moves are going to come to a head. Because now we've dealt with the feds and their investigation for the for the time being, for the most part. But um, the dude, Dre, the second in command, he's going to end up c- catching a hot one. Uh, Ghost, you know, he's going to get into some shit. Because, I mean, people so many people are gunning for Ghost. The Serbian, they may end up being the antagonist. Right. No, they've
0: definitely set that up. There's definitely a lot of people. And also, Lobos could be coming for Ghost and Tommy. He might be like, yo, why did Tommy get off? Did he give information? Yada, yada, yada. So Lobos could be sending thousands of, you know, Mexican commandos after our heroes or our anti-heroes.
1: <laughs> Mexican commandos going commando <laughs> Yeah, yo,
0: yo, those cartel guys don't mess around. You don't think El Chapo has uh, you know, numerous uh, you know, commandos on speed dial that he could be sending after uh, you know, his New York enemies?
1: Yeah, well, well Lobo's is no El Chapo, but, you know.
0: No, I guess not. I guess not. maybe he'll or maybe he'll prove that he is. And escape via tunnel between, you know, now and uh, the next season. But we shouldn't, there is another episode to go. So there's going to be some, some of this is going to all be resolved uh, next week uh, on Power.
1: I mean, we're going to basically see the fallout. Ghost is probably going to, because they have Lobos and, you know, Tommy got off. So they have Lobos, they have a case against Lobos. Um, Ghost is probably going to have the opportunity to become this big drug kingpin. Um, and that's probably where things are gonna probably hinge as they go into the next season. Like now, Ghost is probably the major player versus kind of like one of you know the many guys. Right.
0: So uh, on to uh, on to Mr. Robot. Uh, Mr. Robot's title uh, show titles are always like in code, but I'm pretty sure this is the seventh episode of uh, of Mr. Robot, and um, it started out with this really nice. Almost coda to the last episode where it just showed the scene where Shayla and Elliot met, which I thought I thought it was really good that they did that. Um, They definitely didn't need to do that, but it put like a nice little cap. Um, And then from a personal point of view, she was talking. They were listening to the song Pictures of You by The Cure from the Disintegration album. And she talked about having seen them do that in concert. The night before my freshman year of college, I saw The Cure on the Disintegration Tour and they they did the whole album, including that song. But I definitely, you know, she was talking about seeing them live do that song. And, you know, it was literally the night before my freshman year of college. I wore the shirt I bought, you know, at the concert on my first day of college. So I I had a little, uh, you know, like a moment with that scene. I also liked Shayla's character. I thought she was dope. She was a little sunshine on a show that um, I loved but can be a little a little grim, a little lugubrious. I mean, we're talking about a show where the main character cries in the corner because he's so lonely and has to do morphine just to uh, maintain his sanity. But that was just uh, like the first five minutes of the show. Um, I guess uh, a lot happened. The, there, there's a moment in the show that might or might not have been the moment that Mr. Robot jumps the shark. But uh, what what uh, what were your thoughts this week?
1: Um, I thought it was another cool episode. You know, I thought the follow-up with uh, Shayla was really... Um, it added a lot of depth and emotion and heart, you know, to the series, which in general kind of comes across as a more stiffer kind of soulless show. You know what I mean? In, in that um, the main character, Elliot, kind of is so detached. So I thought it was really how, you know, they, they dealt with the flashbacks of how they met and him dealing with that and how they focused on that, I thought that was a really smart move to follow up, you know, her death. Because she wasn't a minor character, but um, I, I don't know how to, you know, her her level on the show. Like, she was important to Elliot, but she wasn't, like, you know, a big character. She wasn't right. a big player. But I like the wasn't. fact that she, this really showed that she meant something to Elliot. You know what I mean? So it gave her, it made her character resonate more and it made her death more, um, it made her death resonate more. And it gave, gave her, her character more meaning and her involvement in the show more meaning. And you see Elliot really kind of struggling with this and really wanting to change and really um, and finally kind of confessing and opening up to his psychiatrist about, you know, his, his hacking her and who he is and really what he wants, you know, to be able to connect with people and be able to kind of combat the loneliness that um, eats away at him. So I thought that was really great.
0: Yeah, I uh, you know, there's a weird thing where he you know, the people who he hacks or he has their information He ends up putting them in, you know, on CDs and then putting... Those sort of classic, uh, they're they're all different, like classic albums in his like CD book, and that's actually they're not the CDs of those bands. They're actually different hacked people's you know accounts. There was something a little weird about that, like it reminded me of Dexter. I don't know if you watch Dexter, but he used to keep like a blood uh, drop from each of his victims, and he had all these little blood slides. Um, because if you think about it, if he's caught or if the FBI raids him and he has all that information, like that's enough, that's gotta be enough to convict him of something, some kind of hacking, you know, so, you know, not, not to be, uh, not, not to be too whatever. But um, this this episode probably more than any other uh, would prove that Christian Slater's Mr. Robot character is not a figment of Elliot's imagination. It hasn't proven that he's not Mr. Elliot's alter ego. I mean Elliot's alter ego. But we saw Mr. Robot definitely interacting with other members of the uh, hacker collective, and so we got a good scene with him and Romero. Um, who is who has left the hacker crew to develop a cream, a marijuana cream that releases THC into your skin, um, which I'm hoping to see on the market sometime soon. And you might be able to get it in your herb box. <laughs> right. That's right. That's exactly right. It's something to keep in your herb box. That's herbbox.com. H e r b b o x x dot com um um that's off the
1: top of my head but uh I mean I don't really care about whether that Christian Slater is real or a figment of his imagination like I've already said I hope he's a real guy and it's another yeah crazy little I hope they really kind of cement that so we can get beyond it because that's annoying. I mean, the show is good enough without all of that kind of, you know, jibber-jabber. I, I mean, it gives, it gives people something to talk about, I guess. But, you know, the show is already solid. So we don't really need the um, all the parallels and, and trying to draw the comparisons with um, Fight Club. Fight Club. Like, that's yeah. totally unnecessary.
0: Well, we won't have that when we concentrate on the insane Evil Corp executive who uh, speaks Swedish while his wife speaks Danish because he took his boss's wife onto the roof and spoiler alert they thought she thought they were going to have sex and he strangled her to death murder
1: her to FKA twigs
0: yeah awesome I mean I was not <laughs> expecting that and uh you know that when you murder her, you know, the wife of the guest of honor at a party, you better have a good cover story.
1: No, I mean, what's more important than having a good cover story is you have great backing music. You know, you have to have right. We Are Murdering Somebody Two Weeks by FKA Twigs. That's the way yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, and she deserved it because she was a douche. Yeah. She was, like, she was such well, a... Well,
0: all those people are douches. They all deserve it. You
1: know, it, but it was kind of, like, interesting how it played out, but I don't see the point of it. You know, why did he kill her Um, outside of is going to annoy and kind of Well, hit he the seemed CTO. to regret
0: it. He seemed to definitely feel like that was not the plan. You know, he obviously had some kind of plan, and then his animal disgusting animal you know urges took over and he murdered her I mean we had seen him starting to lose it he fired three of his employees sort of really rough and violently and loudly and you know made sure to
1: tell them that they would have the smallest possible uh, severance package I mean that scene was great I loved how yes. he fired them just fired them then they try to laugh it off and <laughs> he fired the other dude too and yeah. it was just great. But she did. And then they were like, why? And he was like, no reason. Yeah. I mean, like very callous and very much Wall Street dickhead, you know, but she the wife, she didn't deserve to die. I don't think she deserved. It. I mean, she was an asshole, you know, and she but she wanted him and she was kind of playing him. And, I, you know, how they wrote her was kind of um, ambiguously uh, not grimy, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, she's into it, but not, you know what I mean? And, right. and that was kind of the thing that made her kind of she, wishy-washy, I guess that's more, and flaky, you know. So she treated him just like the the boss. They were both, you know, in the last episode where the boss wanted to see that look in his eye and just let him know that basically you're beneath me and you're lower than me and you're less than. And so he antagonized um evil Swedish uh, EcoCorp dude until he finally yeah. got that look he wanted. And you see that same kind of characteristic in the wife, so she's obviously not a nice lady. But I don't, you know, she didn't do anything to, to deserve to get murdered. No, that guy's
0: out. a psycho. I mean, he's an animal. Uh, how, I mean, how, he's, he's
1: he's. However, the enemy. How, I mean, we I, see him paying homeless dudes so he could beat them up. Yeah, I mean, he obviously has a lot of a lot of issues. But I mean, you know, right. to murder the wife, it's like, eh, come on, dude. But, but then we got like a cool murder to FK Twig. So it's like, I can't really be mad at that.
0: So in addition to the murder, the, it looks like, you know, Mr. Robot's trying to get the band back together again to, you know, finish what they started. Also, probably importantly, we didn't mention uh, Elliot's friend, the cute blonde girl, she manages to sort of move forward with her case against the evil core and she tries to enlist the dude that F Society actually um, framed and he, you know, um, agrees. Um, but first, you know, he sort of humiliates her in a way to, to test her. And that's um, definitely the best stuff they've done with her. I've always liked her character, but was sort of unsure of where she fit in. And I wasn't sure if she was just going to be, like, a character they used to show up at inopportune moments. How she showed up in the middle of, uh, you know, last episode while the drug dealers were holding Elliot uh, and Darlene hostage. And then she shows up ringing the bell. Like, she hasn't done much. And now it seems like she's actually doing stuff. It's not clear how it's going to relate to, you know, Elliot and the F Society stuff but at least she's like doing stuff.
1: Like they I think they had their chance at her character for a minute Um when I like I loved her reaction when she initially found out the boyfriend was cheating on her. Right. And she was like just not having it and dumped her and I think they really could have just established her as a straight kind of um just a strong female character and they ended up kind of losing that by kind of making you know they made her wishy-washy you know and then they kind of She's like, oh, whatever, you know. I want to be with you, and it's like, damn, you know, like why not have her boss up like they, you know, initially started, and that kind of was lame to me. Um, and then the other appearances she's had have been okay, but you know that 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 moment was there, and they kind of lost it to me. So right. the stuff she's doing is like okay, you know, but it's like kind of why, you know, the dude got framed by Evil Core, and I think the only real purpose. Of her storyline, I think is really to put her in a conflict with um, Elliot and F Society because all the things she's doing are working contrary to what they've done so far. So she's basically working to unravel, unknowingly unravel their plots and schemes. Well, it's also showing a different side, coming at the whole evil court thing
0: from a di- you know from from a, a different side or a different point of view and giving us like if there's a trial and elliot's not involved it gives us as the viewer a way to see you know those scenes or what's going on or something i don't know i i i felt like this was this episode she had more agency and so i was a little more interested in her character than i had been in the past but yeah so the evil core guy you know basically goes nuts we're gonna see how that pans out next episode um we're gonna see how the whole getting the band back together pans out because he sort of knew that was inevitable and um yeah i mean uh anything to add on uh the talented mr robot
1: actually that's not a bad theme considering uh evil core uh VP, you know, he, he he would definitely fall into that American psycho talented Mr. Ripley right. uh lane.
0: I mean that is the the Patrick Bateman, you know, American psycho, you know, that is probably the best uh analogy for that dude. You know, if Patrick Bateman found a, a mate who was just as cold blooded as him, you know, that would be that dude, you know. Oh yeah, um, I definitely
1: think that's his lane. Yeah.
0: So I I think that's about it for this week for me. Any any other, anything else you want to uh, shout out or point out? You know, did you watch the Republican debate this week that 23 million Americans watched?
1: No, I did not watch that tomfoolery, though it probably was more entertaining than this week's episode of Ballers, which once again continued to kind of tread water in the I don't know my identity zone of a show. But, you know. So the Republican debate probably would have been real interesting. I'm sure Donald Trump had a lot of interesting things to say.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like that's been an ongoing problem with the 30-minute shows on the quality cable networks, the premier premium cable networks. Like, some of the half-hour shows are sort of stuck. Like, something like Nurse Jackie on Showtime, like, that bills itself as a comedy, but – it is anything but, you know, it's like a melodrama, you know, about a woman losing her family and fighting addiction and, you know, so they, 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 they do have a problem sometimes with these 30 minute shows. I mean, I know Ballers is on HBO and, you know, Nurse Jackie's on Showtime, but I think this applies to a lot of these half hour shows where, um, they sort of, you know, uh, Lose, you know, they start out one thing and then end up another, or, you know, I I think something like Silicon Valley was very consistent as a comedy. I thought Veep was very consistent as a comedy, but I could see Ballers, from what I've seen of it, actually fall. You know, and frankly, um, you know what, the Vince Show, uh, you know, um, Entourage fell into that problem where it didn't know what it was, you know, at various points. So I I, I could see that happening. Unfortunately, you know, it's not something that only ballers suffers from.
1: But just like you pointed out, I mean, a 30 minute, a half hour show that knows it's a comedy can work well. Um, Right. I think that like a show like on Showtime House of Lies with Don Cheadle, it's a great show and it's a comedy. You know, it's probably 85 percent comedy, 15 percent drama. So they have like serious storylines going on. But then it's comedic throughout, you know, so right. they're, they're being told in sharply, intelligently, witty and funny ways. So it never feels like it's kind of ambiguous in its identity. You know, it, it definitely plays more as a comedy, whereas Ballers is so um, just lukewarm and middle of the road. You know, there's there never feels like there's ever any real consequence in this particular episode of Ballers. We finally get the confrontation between um, the Rock's character and and this woman Angie who he dated a couple years ago and is now blackmailing the guy Vernon. and basically you know she doesn't want to sit and talk with him and then she takes the money that she was offered for like the last three flipping episodes you know so it's like they kind of drudge they drug that storyline out and this was the resolution and it's like that was fucking it, you know. Right. So and there weren't a lot of and there weren't a lot of laugh lines on the way. Yeah, and there, exactly, there's not a lot of laughs on the way. And then it's like, so they 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 kind of drag out these middling kind of storylines to create this false drama that doesn't play out in any um, satisfying fashion whatsoever. So it's like Ballers is cool to watch if nothing else is on, you know what I mean? But it's not. It's hard for me to recommend the show to people, you know, to watch. Right. Whereas Ray Donovan, Ray Donovan is good, and Rick and Morty, I re- I always recommend Rick and Morty. Right. You no, know, you said
0: that last week, and I and I meant to check that out, and I haven't. And uh, I've had a crazy week. I even uh, the Deceptic Comics played on Friday, and uh, um, I missed that. The bros were invited, and I'm pretty sure uh, Tatiana and uh, Benjamin went. I wasn't able to go. So I need to add, uh, in addition to making up that Decepticomics show, because I'm sure it was really dope, I definitely need to uh, check out Rick and Morty. And you should definitely check us out on SoundCloud, check us out on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, at Fambro Show, on Facebook, all of that good stuff. Um, And other than that, you know, have a good night, keep
1: watching The Skies, and uh
0: anything else illac
1: comment and share the show peace peace